Welcome to Word Today. I am your host, Levi Johnny Griffin. And if you are new here, I want you to know that everyone has a bias. Everybody. Even I do. But I need you to identify your bias. Check it at the door because on Word Today, the only opinion that matters is God. Listen, if you were with us last time, you were with us for Romans 8, part 1. This is the conclusion. I think we covered verses 1 through 26. Uh, we're going to start at verse 26 and pick up uh, kind of to tie the two together. And we're going to finish off at verse 39 at the end of Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8 has so much meat in it. It's so delicious. It's amazing. I'm excited. I'm getting hungry. I'm salivating just thinking about Romans 8. So buckle up, hold on to your seat and get ready for uh, the second half of Romans 8 when we get back. All right, so just to kind of recap some of the stuff we went over in Romans uh, 8, part 1. We, we went over verse 1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means that if you are Jesus Christ, no one can point a finger at your past and say, hey, you used to be like this. You used to do this. This is who you are, and you're typeset by your past that those chains are broken and we're going to see in part two that if God is for us if God is calling us clean and whole then then who can point at the Laquisha of eight years ago and say you used to be this Laquisha because you can point back and say but look at me now baby I am new and born again and we'll see that in the second half as well and we went over uh five those who are uh, dominated by sinful nature, think about sinful things. That means your focus and desire is towards sin. We're not talking about people that make a mistake. We're, ta- we're talking about people that wake up and their desire is to sin. That's what they do. They like sin and they wake up sin. It's kind of like some people like bacon. I'm one of those people that like bacon. Do you like bacon? I'm one of those people that like bacon. So I could wake up thinking about bacon. It's just, just a part of me. If someone says, hey, man, you want a glass of water? I'm like, does that come with bacon? Because I'm a bacon guy. I like bacon. Who doesn't like bacon? Right. And, and some people just like sin. It's not something they struggle with. It's, some, it's just who they are. And it's saying, listen, if you're dominated, if you're controlled by that sinful nature, then you're not God. But if you're controlled by the spirit, not saying you don't make mistakes, but your goal is to wake up and serve God. Your goal is to to focus on God. Now, your goal, you can't say my heart is for Jesus, but you live like hell. That, that's, that doesn't work because your mouth's saying one thing, but your actions are saying something else. But we're talking about people that love Jesus. He's saying, listen, then you're mine. You're, you're, you're mine. You're, you're my son. You're my daughter. Uh, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we're going to talk about this in part B too, uh, in the second half, uh, the, how the Holy Spirit comes in. Um, and it is, and as a matter of fact, that's a good place to start because that's verse 26. Look at that. Um, and that's where we're going to pick up. That's going to tie our part one and part two here together. So let's go ahead and just read verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the father who knows all hearts know what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will now what I, I like that word when it says weakness if you look it up it means weakness or frailty it says and the holy spirit helps us in our weakness and our frailty 
What does that mean? That means the areas of our life where we are prone to fall short. We all have them. Those areas, just think, meditate for a moment, like in the golden child. Mm, no, 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 no. Just think about it. In those, you, you know where you're weak. You know where you're weak at. Come on. It is saying in those weak moments and at those weak times, the Holy Spirit will step in to strengthen us and give us strength in those weak moments. Second Corinthians 12, nine puts it like this. And we're in the New Living Translation. If you look at the notes or click the link to the notes, you'll see. Um, and you see all of the, 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 now I encourage you to click the notes because it has, these are literally the notes that I'm reading off of right now with the Bible, the scriptures, the whole deal. So you can, you can get it all. Be a student of the word. Don't just be a, uh, a hearer, be a doer, be a studier, be a, a learner, be a lover. Just engage the word. Be someone that just falls in love with the word. But here, second Corinthians 12, nine. Each time he said, my grace, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Look what he's saying. He says, listen, the Lord told me, the Lord told me that my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. What is Paul saying here? He's saying that in my weak areas, I can boast that God is strong. And you go, okay, I'm not following. I don't really get it. How can I boast that God is strong in the areas where I'm weak? Because you know you didn't do it when you conquer it. You know it wasn't your strength. It wasn't some your five-step plan to get a man. It wasn't your uh, uh, seven steps to live a healthier life. It was Jesus because you were too you were too weak. So it had to be God. It was nothing but God, think about a drowning victim. Uh, I, you know, one part of learning to swim was learning to save people and how to save people. Uh, and you learn that if someone is struggling and you go to save them, you need to kick them off of you and swim away from them. Because if they're they're trying, if they're drowning and they're flopping everywhere trying to save themselves, they're going to grab you and you both drown. So you kick them off of you, and if they they won't. They're holding and they're clinging and they're fighting. Then you purposely go underwater. You go deep underwater and they'll want to get away from you because you'll be like an anchor. You can't save a drowning person when they're panicking and they're just flopping around. It's easier to save them once they pass out. It's easier to save them when they stop trying to save themselves. When they just say, you know what? I give up. I'll let you grab me and pull me to shore. But as long as they're flopping around trying to save themselves, you can't really do much. And it's saying, listen. When you're in some trouble and you're flopping around trying to save yourself, coming up with strategies and not getting into your word, but coming up with your own ideology, the Lord says, I got to just kick you off me and let you flop around for a little bit longer. Once you pass out, once you, you give up, then I can step in and say, hey, listen, let's go this way. Let's go in this door. Let's do this thing. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Translation, you'll listen when you're broken. Verse 28. Oh, 27. All the father who knows all hearts knows what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And we know that God causes everything, not some things, not a few things, not a lot of things. Not uh, these things over here, but everything to work together for the good of those who love God 
and they're called according to his purpose for them. Two points here. First point, God caused Joseph brothers mistakes to work in such a way that it saved all of Israel from death and famine. God didn't desire Joseph brothers to make those mistakes. And what did they do? They sold Joseph into slavery. It wasn't God with God's will for Joseph to be sold into slavery. But since they sold him into slavery, God made it work out. So Joseph fell on his feet and then he ended up saving all of Israel. God will make your mistakes work out for you. This isn't a license to go make more mistakes. This is a license to understand that God loved you so much. Not only did he forgive you for your past, he'll make those mistakes of the past come and bless you in your present. Second point. Called according to his purpose. Some people catch that all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. And that's where they leave it. They leave it right there. But you have to keep reading. It says everything works together for the good of those who love God, love God, love God. Man, what that kind of rings a bell because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. But we're not we're not we're not there. We're not there. Uh but for the for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So you can't just stop at everything working together. There's a couple contingencies, right? First contingency, you got to love God. Second contingency, you need to be working for his purpose. You need to be called according to his purpose. You need to be called to God's business. What does that mean? That means don't expect God to bless you and make everything work together for the good if you're just serving your evil flesh. You're self-serving. You're trying to make sure you have money. You have food. You have everything is about you. You being okay. You being straight. Your family being good. What about your neighbor's family? What about the homeless people? What about the hungry people? Are you making sure that they're good? Are you loving some other people? Are you trying to be about God's business? Because if you're about God's business, God will be about your business. He'll make sure everything works out for you if you're about him. But if you're only about you, then you only got you. And when you break down and you get weak, he'll he'll come and help you. But God is like, hey, be about my business and I'll be about your business. But if you're all about you, everything, the world revolves around you. The solar system is yours. It's just it's yours, baby. It circles around you. Then you you need to be the God of your own life and make it work. And when you realize that that doesn't work, then you need to get about his business. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. Now, listen, going into verse 29 and 30. These are some of the most, I won't say controversial, but they there's people that have massive debates. Debates have been going on for years about these two verses. They think it means all kind of things um, that, you know, God predestined some. God knew who he was going to choose. So it doesn't even mean doesn't even matter if you live right, because God already knows who he's going to. Cho- Listen, I'm going to read the verses to you and I'm going to break it down. It really is not that confusing it's really not all that if you just get a little clarity get a little understanding and stop trying to turn you know something that is meant to edify the kingdom into some drama listen verse 29 for god knew his people in advance this shouldn't be a shocker the lord has so many scriptures saying hey i knew you when you were in your mother's womb i knew you i knew you I knew you. I knew you before you were born. I knew your daddy. I knew your knew your grandmama. And God is in the future. So he knows your grandchildren and your great grandchildren and 10 generations down. He's in the past watching your great, 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 great grandmother be born. And he's in the future watching your great, 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 great nephew or grandson be born. That's the beauty of not being trapped in time and not being 
subject to time. He says, listen, for God knew his people in advance before you were born. I knew you. That's what God is saying. And he chose them to become like his son. So God knew everyone that would love him, everyone that would serve him, everyone that would reject him. He knows because he's in the future. He's in the past. He's watching your decisions in life. That's the beauty. He's not linear. We're linear. We can't go back to yesterday and we can't go till tomorrow. But he's already in the past and the future. So he knows. He knows who's going to love him, who's going to die serving him. And those people, he says he chose them to be like his son. What is Jesus? Immortal, eternal, gets a glorified body. And so that his son would be the first born among many brothers and sisters, be the first resurrected from the dead so that we can be resurrected from the dead. Like Jesus, our older brother, the firstborn of the resurrection. Right. Verse 30. And having chosen them, having chosen those that he knew would love him, serve him, he called them to come to him. Like I already knew, I know who's going to serve me, who's going to accept my call, who's going to reject it. So he knows and he calls them to him. Those that he knows are going to accept them. And having called them, those that he knew were going to love him, he gave them right standing with himself, righteousness. He sent Jesus to die for him. God says, I know who's going to love me, who's going to serve me, who's going to be for me. And for them, I'm sending Jesus. And having given them righteousness, Jesus, he gave them his glory. We're going to get glorified bodies simple it's not it's it's not complicated he's going to give us he's going to love us he's going to bless us with honor he's going to give us glorified bodies we're going to be the be like jesus he jesus is the first of the resurrection we'll be the next and someone will say well what about lazarus and the little girl and all these people that he brought back from the dead yeah but lazarus and the little girl they're going to die again jesus resurrection he's the firstborn because he'll never die again they got their old bodies back. They just were asleep and they woke up to their old bodies. But Jesus got a brand new body, a glorified body that could walk through walls and still eat a fish sandwich that will never die again. And that's the kind of bodies we're going to have. All right. No sweat. Go on 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Listen, if someone gives their life to save you and it's the most precious, there's nothing more precious than life. You can get money back. You can get cars back. You know, you can lose a sweetheart and get another sweetheart. You can get those things back. But a life, you can't get a life back. And he said, listen. If if I'll give my life for you, if I give my life for you, then that lends to reason that they're then that they would give you money or that I would give you money, clothing, protection, love, peace, joy and anything else. If I'm willing to die for you, if I'm willing to give my life for you. Then that's and that's the most precious thing I have that I cannot get back. It makes sense that I would give you money if you needed it, clothing and you need it, protect you, love you give you peace and joy and anything else that I possibly could up to my life. If I'm willing to die for you, then it means that anything else that I can give you, I will anything else. Cause I want, I, I love you so much. I'm willing to give you anything, including my life. If that's what it takes. And that's what it's saying is listen, 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all. So if God is for us, who can stand against us? And we know God is for us because he died for us. So who can be against us? He gave his son, his most precious thing for us. There's nothing he will withhold from us. So he's not going to hold withhold joy from us. Why would he withhold joy from us, but give us his son? Why would he withhold happiness from us, but give up, give up his son? Why would he withhold peace or love, prosperity from us, but give us his son? Doesn't make sense. So that's what this is saying. If God wants us to prosper, God wants us to have peace. God wants us to have strength. God loves us so much. He'll even give his son to die for us. If that God that's all powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all knowing is in my corner. I don't care if Lakeisha don't like me anymore. I don't care if there's a little drama on the job. I don't care if I got some kids that's testing my patience. If God is for me, I know on the other side of this is my victory. How do I know this? Because God is for me. How do I know that God is for me? Because he chose me. How do I know God chose me? Because he gave his son to die for me. How do I know he gave his son to die for me? Because I believe in him and I'm about God's business. And if I'm about God's business, it says that God is about my business. So I don't have to worry about it. God is about my business. So I can be about his business. Business. Yes. Verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? God is for me. Who's going to accuse me? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. God has said, man, it's cool. But Lord, last week, I man, it's cool. But five years ago, man, it's cool. But listen, last night, man, it's cool. But I still struggle with man. It's cool. Who dares accuse us if God has chosen for his own, chosen us for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. God is saying it's cool. But what about the past? Listen, it's cool. Who then can condemn us? No one for Christ. Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. So even if God was like, I don't know if that's cool. Jesus saying, dad, please. I know. I know it look bad right now. Listen, I know this isn't too good. I know they said they would never do it again. I know they were crying at the altar. Now they back struggling with it. I know this is the 19th time they did it. But Lord, listen, I died on the cross, God. For them, please give them a pass. So even God, if, if God questioned for a second, say, I don't know if that's cool. It says Jesus is on his right hand pleading. Listen, father, please, daddy, please. Come on, Papa. Let it ride. So if God is for you, Jesus is pleading for you. Why are you beating yourself up? And why would you let anyone else try to demean the, the place of honor? It says the place of honor that God has put you in as his son or daughter. Who or what can call you a sinner or unworthy? Or hellbound when God calls you saved, righteous, and blessed. Verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for you, for your sake, we are killed every day. 
We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is our overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So basically that's saying all things considered like NPR, all things considered, Jesus pleading for you, God loving you, the cross, everything, grace, mercy, everything considered. Do you think just because you missed a meal, just because you had you don't have the money you think, just because there's a little danger you worried about, you say just because there's you're threatened with death, just because there's a little calamity, just because there's a few problems, small problems, big problems, just because you got a little trouble. You think God doesn't like you? No, man. That's just life. God loves you. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Can anything? Those problems doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It just means that you got problems. That's it. God already said in verse 28 that he causes all things, everything to work together for our good. If we're living a spiritually purpose driven life. So our success isn't measured by the troubles we face or the money we do or do not have. But instead, a successful life is measured by how many souls we've led to Jesus, how many homeless we've clothed uh, and how and, and how many hungry we fed. Despite our problems, our measurement is how we've served those in need. Listen. Our life isn't measured by the problems. A successful life isn't one without problems. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Jesus like, listen, you know them by their fruit. So our life isn't successful because we don't have problems. The disciples were honored to be martyred like Jesus, to have the problems like Jesus. They took it as an honor. So the problem we we're in a microwave society with. With where we get everything fast, our rooms are air conditioned, our cars are air conditioned. We can now not even have to plug up our phones. They have Bluetooth and can play wirelessly. Our homes can turn the lights on by themselves. We're conditioned to avoid problem and trouble. But God says, listen, you seek after me. There's going to be some problems, some trouble. You're going to have to fight a little bit. There'll be a little calamity because there's demons and devils that are proud to be demons and devils. So and they they want to abolish uh, prayer in school. They want to pull Jesus out of the uh, courtrooms and out of society. And they're proud to, to march in the streets for this. So you're going to have to be just as bold, willing to lose your reputation, willing to die on behalf of saying that I love Jesus and I want to follow his commandments. So a little problems, a few troubles, that doesn't mean that you're not following me. It probably means that you're following me correctly and I can trust you with trouble. Because success isn't measured by your trouble or lack thereof. It's measured by how much change you have affected. How many people will die and honor you? They say, no, this was a great man on their deathbed. My life wouldn't be as grand if it wasn't for this person. And you're that you're who they're talking about. That's how you measure success. That's how you measure success. 38. And I am convinced that nothing can nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, fears about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below 
Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. One simple point. And that is with this, this magnum opus, Paul is saying that I am convinced that God's love, God loves us despite any and everything and that there is nothing. Listen to what he said. Not angels, demons, fear, even death that is powerful enough, crafty enough, cunning enough to separate us or pull us out of the loving hands of God. Think about the ramifications of this statement. There were uh, there were religious people at the time that hated Paul, that absolutely hated Paul because of this. They lived in a world, in a mindset, in an ideology that if you didn't cross every T, dot, every I, do everything absolutely right, that God didn't accept you. And Paul is saying, listen, Jesus did something at the cross that says you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to live 100 percent right. Chase after God. Have God's heart. Be about his business. Be about Jesus. And if you fall or make a mistake, dust it off, get back up again because God will forgive you. And if God even thinks about for a second, not forgive you, forgiving you, Jesus is on his right hand pleading for your forgiveness. With that, what can separate you from God's love? What can separate you from God's love? And he says nothing. Death can't do it. Jesus conquered death in the grave. Angels can't do it. Even the fallen angels that became demons can't do it. Your fear about today and what will happen, what people will say or judge you if you declare Jesus, what what your fear about today, that's, that can't do it. Whatever you worry about the light bill, that can't do it. Your worries about tomorrow, what are we going to eat club, that can't do it. The powers of hell, that can't do it. Jesus defeated hell. Nothing. Nothing. And he Paul ends chapter 8 with this. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Let's let's read it one last time together here. Starting at verse 26 of Romans 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us Believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? 
or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Oh, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, I really appreciate you checking out today's podcast. Make sure to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Levi Johnny Griffin. Hit me up on Twitter at Levi underscore Griffin. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcast platforms, Google podcast platforms and Stitcher. Also, place a link to this podcast in your social media feed and tag me in it, Levi Johnny Griffin, for a chance to co-host a show with me. Hey, I want to leave you with this. Four evidences of Christian faith. One is belief. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. It's what covers us and gives us access to the glory of God. B, lifestyle. It just means we live like we believe it. Jesus tells us to live right. We live right. C, we evangelize. What does that mean? We teach other people about Jesus so they can have faith. Indeed, we spread the lifestyle. We teach them how to live like they have faith. How do we do that? We connect them to a church and we connect them to plenty of Christian material, Bibles, Christian books, Christian movies like The Passion, and even Christian podcasts like Word Today. Share it with your friends. If it's blessing you and you're eating and growing from it, let someone else eat and grow from it as well. I love each and every one of you. Let's keep praying and keep pushing in the faith together.